What's wrong with you people? What is the foundation of your faith? I mean, why do you believe what you believe? The word of the living God. All scripture is theonistos. It is God. I'll tell you what's disrespectful. Saying God has to provide many ways when in his son, he gave his life on Calvary's tree to provide the one perfect. Give us a man who knows the truth. And welcome to another episode of the Eyes Open Ministry podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, John Pruitt, and today I am joined by Lee Gullich and Will Lewis. And today we're going to be talking about another attribute of God. And there's many different ways to frame it, but to put it more simply, we're going to be talking about the eternal nature of God. It's something that we all kind of understand. We know right off the top of our head what we mean when we say eternity, but do we really know the theological premises behind it? Do we understand it completely? And how does that relate to our finite minds? So today we're going to be discussing that because the Bible talks about it very extensively and makes it very clear that the God that we serve is an eternal God. The Holy Scriptures teach us that God is limitless or infinite with respect to time. So grab a Bible, get ready to turn some pages, and let's dig into God's Word. All right. Well, it's good to be back here, gentlemen. Glad we all survived another week. And I'm glad to have all of our listeners listen to this podcast. A quick plug, I'd like for you to uh, go to our website, eyesopenministries.org, and check out all of our content that we have there. Not only do we have these podcasts, but we also have a lot of blog content. We also have study tools and video content as well to help you go deeper into God's Word. Um, and we also have another podcast called God's Mad Men. Do check that out as well when you get a chance. And give us a like, share, subscribe. Put it out there as best you can to help us spread the word of the truth of God's word. So, Will, share with us this nice intro you got for us. All right, so trying to lead into this topic, because it can seem kind of abstract, I think, um, from the get-go. So there's a common story told in theological circles about talking about God's eternity is it gets embellished and twisted and I've heard it attributed to different people, but the, when I came across, it was in us, uh, St. Augustine, the fourth, fifth century, something like that, North African, um, priest, whatever they were back then. He was, he was pretty instrumental in the Christian classical Christian doctrine of God's eternality. And so he's teaching a, um, a class on time related to God. And he's got a real clever student. And the student asks him, uh, what was God doing before he made heaven and earth? Before, before God decided to create, what was God doing? And Augustine, being the intellectual giant that he was, didn't miss a beat and said he was preparing hell for 
students that ask stupid questions. <laughs> and this, it's, this story really, I think it originally comes from Augustine's uh, autobiography, The Confessions, where he, he tells it as he's heard conversations like that going on. And he's, um, he's relating it, but not in a sense that he thinks it's funny or he wants to try and diminish the questions because he's saying that it's a, he relates it as a way to show that, no, that we need to deal with these. That's a, it's actually it's a good question. What was God doing before he created? Um, you know, the Bible starts off with in the beginning, God was already there before he created. So what was God mm -hmm. doing? So it's a good way to see that these questions naturally arise. I remember when I was younger, you know, um, I wasn't raised in a Christian home per se, but I remember thinking, how could God have always existed? I remember my mind wandering like that. Right. And so these topics can seem real abstract and the attributes of God can seem ab abstract. But just like everything we believe as Christians, there's, they're rooted in God's character. And so if we get that wrong, we'll stray away. But these, these questions are naturally going to pop up as we think through um, our faith. And so there's, there's real world implications to them. And I think that's a good way to, to dive in to see how this has been a topic that we the Christians have been discussing for not just hundreds but thousands of years. You know, Augustine lived fifteen hundred years ago, and he was dealing with these same same topics. So it's it's a perennial. Yeah, um, there's natural questions that that comes up like that, and and I think it's one of the very one of the most important attributes out there about God is his eternal nature in a sense because um, if he was not eternal, then he would not be God. Right. Right. Uh, if he was created, then who created him? Right. There has to be an ultimate source there. And that's hard for us to comprehend um, what it means when we think of something outside of time itself, because we're very limited. We're, we're used to the sun coming up and going down every day. Yeah. You know, uh, we're used to a 24-hour day. We're used to going to sleep. We're used to being born. We're used to living and dying. We're, we see that cycle of life. That's right. And we often relate and 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 try to associate what we perceive is how God is, you yeah. know, and that, and that's not necessarily the case. Um, so when, with anything that comes to Christian doctrine and comes to understanding God, what we have to understand is we cannot base everything on our own opinion, our own assessments and our own way of thinking. We have to base it on the standard, which is God's word. We have to base it off of what is what is our standard of truth? And it's God's word. Like I said, it's it's got to come from and be derived from the text to help us understand God. And we can't relate to God as he's a human. Now, there's some there's some texts that that puts it in a way that helps us understand God. Yes. And but what we got to understand here is what does the Bible mean? Well, let me, let me get right into the definition here. So. Uh, the internality or the eternal nature of God it is that perfection of God whereby he transcends, that means to go above and beyond, all temporal limits and all cessations of movement. The infinity of God in relation to time and also called God's eternity as well. It's all his, his infinity and his eternity kind of go together real nicely. And we may do a separate episode on infinity. We may, we're going to touch base on it here a little bit here, but also... But basically it's saying that, that God has no beginning, no end, or succession of movements in his own being. He sees all time equally, vividly, yet God sees events in time and acts in time. And that's hard for us to understand. 
Um, so God is not limited by time itself. He is eternal. And I, I've seen it on people's faces before I gave him, given the analogy of holding up a, a pen in my hand and saying, let's say this represents all of time and that every space around that is God. Mm-hmm. And that's how God sees time. It's separate from God. It's not, it's not a pantheistic type viewpoint that everything is God. Right. It's that he has created it separate and it's, Time is there, and if he's God, he sees beginning and end. He knows everything in between because he's there, present in it now, past, present, and future. Right, and that's and that's hard for us to understand. Um, Swinnick said that he dwells in one invisible point of eternity. Burkhoff said that he possesses the whole of his existence in one indivisible present. There is no distinction between the present, past, and future, but all things are equally and always present to him. And I was like, wow, I mean, that's just, that's mind-blowing when you try to con- comprehend that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's extremely hard for us to, um, to, to grasp because we're temporal creatures. We can't even talk without using temporal language. We can't, you know, we can't think or do much of anything without relation to some kind of concept of time right so uh, some reference point yeah that's yeah. exactly right so we, we can't get get out of it but i think that's the best way to think about it simplistically is just that god is outside of time he's mm. not subject to it he doesn't experience that repetitive moment by moment by moment increase like we do from past to present to future mm-hmm. okay i got several points here we're gonna circle all the way. I think the new uh, the new slogan is circle back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I think um, Rob was saying earlier about you know people study this all throughout Christian the the history of Christianity and stuff, and a lot of times people think about those who study this maybe as um, weird or something's going on. But to me, I think it's odd for somebody who does not study it. I think it's odd for somebody mm-hmm. who claims to be a Christian, claims to be born again of the Spirit, and does not care about the nature of God. You know, so He's given us this word. He said, "This is who I am and what I am," and He's given us this word to know Him. Kind of referring to what you were saying, we got to start with that point. Start with God's word, not our pre- preconceived notions, I guess. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little scripture. Psalms fifty twenty one says, "These things you have done, and the." I guess the context, God is scolding Israel. He's about He's about to scold them. So these things you have done, and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself. So at, they have gotten away for however long years on end. They have gotten away from uh, disobeying God, and he has withheld his judgment, withheld discipline. So he was saying, oh, you thought I was just like you, because I guess he was looking at like sometimes we let our children get away with too much. Um and holding back discipline, but but he says, you thought that I was one like yourself, but now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. So it was it, that ties into the the inside and outside of time because it, he didn't let it go. He didn't forget about it. You know, they, it went on and on, and all of a sudden, he, okay, here comes the here comes the the punishment, and and I think that ties into the incomprehensibility. I think it would is our word if I've even gotten it right of of us as humans trying to understand God, even though he's given us his word and he said, okay, this is me, this is who I am. Even though he's given us that, us trying to understand, understand God. 
Anybody want to jump in? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, we're talking about um, some Christians, this seems so far removed from how, a, you know, how a Christian lives his faith. You know, thinking about this kind of stuff, it seems like a bunch of philosophy out of a, you know, a secular college. Yeah. And in, in a sense, I can see where they're coming from because these are some of the same topics that, you know, secular philosophy deals with, you know, the theology and philosophy deal with a lot of the, the same questions, you know, yeah. um, time, the nature of all things, how everything came to be. That, those are theology and philosophy deal with that. But I just want to maybe to Christians that this sounds real abstract and useless and like this, Jesus doesn't want us sitting around doing this. Um, this is the, this is who our God is. This is, um, this is every bit as real to God for, for who God is as his, as love. Mm-hmm. You know, you go around and you tell people Jesus loves them. Well, God's eternity is every bit as much of a part of his character as, as love is. Right. It might not be as nice to hear or as maybe seems like it's as um, relatable or important in your daily life, but it is. So don't, don't push back too, too quick. Cause I, when I first came into this stuff, I didn't, it took. It takes a little while to get the traction going, but the the water's fine. Come on in, mm-hmm. and you'll start to have a deeper respect for that that God that you already love. Just simply by you, the more you learn, he he is great, a great God. The more you learn about him, the more you'll love him. Yeah. So just on that point, um, well, a good point right there is is this. this there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God, yeah. you know, incomprehensibility. That sounds like it's already even said. So it sounds like an overwhelming word, but, but that's not saying that we, we can't know God. It's just saying we can't fully know about yeah. God. But our, our pastor uh, was preaching this morning and he, he, he made a good, uh, and he may have been quoting somebody else, but he said, you know, you can take everything you know about God and still wouldn't be able to fill a thimble and still have enough room for a well. Yeah, exactly. uh, because there's just there's just so much about God that we can't understand because He is infinite, right? Again, but and we are finite. I mean, and we are limited. We we don't see things we can't comprehend. That's what makes them un- incomprehensible, right? In a lot of ways, even though if you memorize the entirety of scriptures, okay, yeah, even though you know everything theologically, you have a master's degree, you've been to seminary, you you can quote scriptures, you can you know exegete the text every day mm. no problem you're still very limited in your knowledge of god right because all we have is what has been revealed to us in the text right and it doesn't answer all the questions why is that well i, I guess god didn't feel like number one he needed to right right <laughs> and number and number two is he knew it'd be hard for us to comprehend yeah you know there's just no way for us to relate to that just because of we are the created product of God, you know, right. you know, it, 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 it's like AI in a sense, as much as it wants to, to learn about human anatomy and, and those, you know, it gets, you know, technology gets more and more advanced and it's amazing what, what it's done in the past 10, 20 years. Yeah. But even if it reaches the full capacity of human replicants, for instance, let's go sci-fi on this. <laughs> there's still going to be a lack of something there that it will not understand about what created it. Right. You yeah. know, as much as we try to to advance that technology, it's still not going to be able to feel emotion. It may can tell you what emotion is, but it's not going to be able to experience emotion. Right. And so, in that same way, we're trying to relate to God. We're not going to be, be able to put it all together because, um, you know, there's just no way to fully, truly know God until we see Him face to face. I think. And even then, 
there's no promise we will know right. him altogether at that point. And I feel like the more we do learn about him, the more we realize how much we don't know yeah. about him. And, and that's I a good it, thing. Yeah, that's a, and and right. that we see that as a negative thing. Right. People say, well, well, why even study now? Right, right. Well, because you are to know God <laughs> exactly. as best as you can because you have his revealed word and right. you need to study it as much as you possibly can because what other – I mean, think about it, average household. I don't even know what the statistics are now, but I'm willing to bet the average household watches at least four hours of – let's say they're, they, you, the average person probably spends six hours of screen time a day. Right. Let's just say screen time, not even TV. Easy. But, but from looking at Facebook and social media and watching YouTube and then watching your favorite shows at home and then watching sporting events and things of that nature, we put so much emphasis into things that are of this world and not enough on God in a sense, but yet – you know, we can't read, spend five minutes reading our Bible every day. That's right. You know? Yeah. I think the, as far as incomprehensibility goes, I think you can you stray too far in the direction as with most things. But the, the, I think the key point is with, to comprehend as in incomprehensibility to comprehend means like to be able to fully grasp. Yeah. I think a helpful analogy and this is an analogy. So it breaks down of, of course, because God is infinite, but it's, similar to having a Dixie cup and attempting to put the ocean in it. Mm. You can't, it, it won't fit. God's he, the ocean in this analogy, obviously is God. Our, our brain is the Dixie cup. It can't fit in there. He's too big. We can't figure mm. it fit in there, but that doesn't mean that what little bit of the ocean will fit in that Dixie cup is not true. So we can, That's good. We, we can know him truly. We just can't know him fully. That what we can learn about him is true. It's, it's what he said is necessary for us. You know, God has told you, oh man, what he requires of you, do mm -hmm. justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. He's told us what we need to know and and held back what we what we don't need to know. So he's told us the truth. It just is not everything because we quite frankly can't handle the truth. Yeah. All of it. Man, I had that sound bit in here with Jack Nicholson saying that and I deleted it out of here. <laughs> right. yeah. Good point. Ah, missed opportunity. Yeah. So, you know, uh, so this is what we would call part of God's eternity is the incommutable, incommutable attributes of God. Incommunicable. Incommutable. Tongue tire for us southern folks. Just say folks. it fast. It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, which means that only God is eternal by nature. And here's something that, you know, I've, I've put an emphasis on this for years now. We seem to think that we are eternal, that our souls are eternal, mm -hmm. that angels and demons are eternal. They're not. And we're, we're not. We're immortal. We were created at some point. We have a starting point. To be eternal, it means no beginning or end. Mm -hmm. So that's something that this is something that relates solely to God. He is the only eternal thing, or I don't want to say thing, yeah. but the only eternal being there is. Right. Um, so we will exist forever in eternity. Yeah. Um, but we, we, we're not eternal itself. We're yeah. going to exist where God exists. So even I guess you can say, I don't know. I don't know. That's, a, that's an interesting. This something I'm yeah. thinking about. Well, is it fair to call heaven eternal? Um, no. <laughs> and and I'm because God honest, created the heavens, yeah, right? I'm so be honest. I think it's a great point. I've never looked at it. You know, even though it's in our notes. Yeah. Um, I've never thought about it that way. That that we're not eternal. We're immortal because we'll go on. But we had a beginning point. Mm -hmm. We, you know even our birth or go back to creation. Yeah. But God was fully eternal forever in the past and forever in the future.
future. So that I think it's going to be an interesting study in the original language, yeah. just going back and looking at the difference between eternal being used there. Because there is, you know, references to heaven and hell, speaking of an eternal, you know, pl uh, plane. Yeah. So, um, but the, the main point is for us to help us understand, though, that we haven't always existed. There's a, there are doctrines taught by Mormons and by certain denominations that, that humans pre-existed before birth, that we were in all in heaven as souls. And then, yeah. then we were born that no, that's not how the Bible teaches it. And that's, that's, that's a false teaching basically. Nonsense. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Pop heretical nonsense. Um, we were created. So therefore we haven't always existed, but um, if we are, do not have a relationship with God, if we are not saved Christians, then the emphasis is you will spend eternity from there on out yes. in hell, which is a, you know, I always use to ref references as an endless span of time without beginning or end. Mm. So you think about that when it comes to where your immortal soul will spend all of eternity, right. heaven or hell. So that's what needs to be uh, emphasizing that perspective. But anyway, so let's get back here to the eternal nature of God. Um, we had that in um, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We used that last uh, in our last show. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we made the point that uh, it is not, it doesn't say in God's beginning, it says in the beginning, and God, God was already there. I yeah. think it ties in. Oh, yeah. The, the last two, I mean, the last episode and this one tie in closely together. Yeah, and to go back to what we're saying, if you look there later on in Genesis one twenty six, it said, God said, let us make man in our image and likeness. And a lot of people that we say that teach the preexistence yeah. use that. So well, who was God talking to there? He was talking to all, all of us. No, he was. that was a conversation between the, the Holy Trinity. Right. You know, he's talking to the Son and the Holy Spirit there in, in creation. Um, and again, shows that the eternal nature not only applies to God the Father, but also to the Son That's and right. the Holy Spirit. Exactly right. Because there's other false teachings out there as well who teaches that Jesus was created right. and that the Holy Spirit came after and stuff like that. Um, but no, the, the eternal nature of God applies to all three persons of the Trinity. We have been, um, I'm going through the um, New City Catechism with the girls and says, what do we believe about the Holy Spirit? And this is kind of a rabbit trail, but what you just said, it says uh, we believe he is um, a member of the God Godhead, co-eternal with the Father and the Son. So a lot of times even people kind of throw the Holy Spirit to the side, it's, you know, God and Jesus, but but he was there also. He was co-eternal with, you know, with the Father and the Son. Yep. Yep, so... We also see references in the scriptures when it comes to, let's say, uh, Psalms 90 and verse 1 through 2. It says, uh, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you have formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Yes. Um, I, I like how it says first, before the mountains were brought forth, but then it is he almost dials it in a little. It says, "Or ever you had formed." Mm -hmm. So, so he's saying, you know, and the, the mountains were brought forth, but who did it? God. Yeah. Yeah, I think one that is a big hidden um, point in Scripture with dealing with time and in general and God and His eternity, specifically, is Second Peter three eight, 
where it says, and this is a common we we all know, but you know you can plumb the depths of this one for a while. Mm-hmm. But do not overlook this fact, this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And I think that shows you, you know, because you can say, guys. And we'll get into this maybe a little bit later with some of the objections to our to this classical view of eschatology. <laughs> is that God can be within time, experience time like us, and just have always existed and always exists. But yeah. I think this verse right here would be a key point to emphasize that this seems to say that God experiences time in a different way. He's you know one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one mm. day. That almost seems to say that He's time is kind of not a thing for him. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that's where, beside, at least in part, where the idea that he's outside of time, he doesn't experience that succession of moments like we do, comes from. Yeah, it's definitely not a mathematical formula. Right. Uh, that that lot that, that scripture is used a lot in a sense to help teach like eschatological, you know, end time prophecies and stuff like that and people predicting Say, oh, well, you know, then this means a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. So, therefore, if we do the math, now that's not what that scripture is there for. It's there to emphasize the eternal nature of God and how He exists outside of time. Yeah. Counting blood moons. Yeah. (laughs) I think a guy in California would um, use, I can't remember his name now, probably shouldn't say it, but I think he was, uh, when using that to figure out when Jesus was going to return, 2016 or something, it was all, it was a big, no, oh, yeah, a lot of them. Done. I forget who who that recently. was, but there was a even the uh, well, we won't, we won't yeah. chase that rabbit trail. <laughs> but anyway, um, we we see in Revelations one and eight says, "I am the Alpha and the Omega." This is Jesus speaking. Uh, I am the Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega means the the first and the last, mm. who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Right. That's Jesus speaking. There's, I mean. You, you don't get any clearer than that. Yeah, I mean, he's, it, he's laying out there. You know, he's he who is present, who was past, who mm-hmm. is to come, future. Mm-hmm. He's and he's not just saying that. You know, I was there in the past. I was. I'm here in the future, present. I'll be there in the future. He's saying I, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is, who was, and right. who is to come, as if it's all kind of a present situation for him. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, I think that also points to that. And it, it, time it, is a different kind of situation for for God. Oh yeah, and it correlates to Exodus uh, three fourteen when Jesus uh, when God was speaking to Moses and says, "I am who I am." It's the same "I am" that we see there throughout Jesus's life in the Gospels, and "I am" mentioned here in Revelation. Uh, he said, "Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you," which right. goes back to his aseity. If you if you hadn't listened to that podcast that was our previous episode i encourage you to go back and listen to that but uh so it really brings home the weight of the scriptures of helping us understand god the best that we can understand it again um so let's talk about god's simplicity a little bit yeah i think trying to tie um some of this together and seeing like you can see how much if you listen to last episode and if you didn't shame on you Mm-hmm. But seeing, you know, you can see how they overlap so much, and you'll see in the future. And you, the more you study about this, you'll see how they are intertwined, almost like a, like a yarn ball. They just overlap continually, and that's kind of um, wrapped up in the doctrine of God's simplicity. And you know, you say God is simple, um, people will be like, "Whoa, easy, heretic." 
But that's not, it, it's simple in a sense that as in not complex, not made up of parts, mm-hmm. as in like a, a puzzle is is not simple because there's multiple parts. Yeah. But a, a bowl of jello would be simple. It's, it's one, This these are met, weird analogies, but <laughs> mm-hmm. but there's not different parts to it. And so that's, that's saying that you, God is not 20% eternity, 20% infinity, 20% right. ability, and so on and so on. It's all overlapped. We separate it for our own minds. So that we can make sense of of God in some in some degree, yeah. So God's, great, great God's simplicity is keeping that all closely tied together without trying to get too confused. And it's, it also emphasizes that if you make a change in one, you get off base in one. As in, you know, um, if you if you mess up one, it's going to have effects in the other. So there's going to be like a domino effect to where you you start stumbling down that hill, and you can get out of whack pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. All right, quick plug for a few things right fast. Again, go to our website, eyesopenministries.org, and there you can find plenty of study study materials, plenty of blog content, links to different uh, articles, and also to our two podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, check out also God's Mad Men. It's a little bit different approach than what we take here with EOM, but check that out as well. Be sure to give us a like and subscribe, share all of our content, and we're also partnered with Cornerstone Baptist Church of Hartsville, South Carolina. Uh, if you're in the South Carolina area and looking for a good uh, church, come check us out at Cornerstone Baptist Church. You can go there at cbchartsville.com. All right, and back to the show. All right, so, so this brings us to infinity. It's something that we kind of have to dabble on, and we may bring our own um, we may do a separate episode to go deeper into this subject, but you can't talk about God's eternity without getting into infinity, uh, and beyond and beyond. And, uh, <laughs> so well, infinity literally means a state of being without limit. It also correlates with, uh, the, the omniscience of God it, 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 it speaks of the, uh, well, Omni meaning all, and then you, you look at it in a sense of did I say the right word? I, I mixed it up. Omniscient. I would say omnipresent. omnipresent. Omnipresence. I'm sorry. I always get them. <laughs> there's there's three omnis, and that'll be another episode as well. <laughs> but basically, yeah, the omnipresence of God. It, it is uh, the omni meaning all, and of course presence meaning God is presently in creation. He he he's fully and completely there. He's in all places, but not to be understood in a pantheistic said meaning that god's in all things right um like god's not in this table that we're we're sitting at mm-hmm. he's not in nature he's not in the tree or you know part of the earth or you know like like most people would talk about mother nature and or stuff Washington, like that dc yeah it's it's not it's not uh, understood to be in that sense but that god is present everywhere at all times um and like i said we we may we we will dedicate an episode of that probably down the road um, but that's something that also needs to be understood when we're talking about the eternal, eternal nature of God, that he is without limit and he is infinite and he is present everywhere. Um, so it's not just, there's so many rabbit holes to chase with this, yeah. but, 
but for the yeah. for the sake of time, we're going to keep it as simple as we can. Um, but it also talks about his. Yeah, that goes right into his immutability. Immutability. Um, he doesn't change, so he's always present. Um, he's simple, like Will brought up, and he doesn't change. And the um, the uh, you could think about. I just want to try to try, like you said, we got to say time, but uh, a lot of people, I think, misunderstand God because we're under grace, we're in the new covenant and all this stuff. And people, that's very true, but, but God hasn't changed. God mm -hmm. is still God, you know, and, and what, what uh, he hate in the old covenant, he still hates now what he loved back then. He still loves now. And so, so his ways and his plans have not changed, even though they may be displayed in a, in a different way. I think that's okay to say, but yeah. Um, yeah. God doesn't change That's there's not an Old Testament God and a New Testament that, God. Right. You know, there's yeah. a lot of churches that teach that, a lot of preachers who will say that. And, and a lot of a lot of people yeah. almost try to look at, well, God was in the Old Testament, Jesus is in the New Testament. But but we brought out earlier, Jesus was eternal with God mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit. It, it's all the same being. His ways, I, I think I'll just throw this in here. You think about between the new the New Testament and the Old Testament as far as the writings, the there was approximately four hundred years where God was silent. God didn't speak to his prophets. He didn't speak to his people. But um, so he could do that anytime he wants again and not and not be different. You know, so it's not we got we got to remember that God doesn't change in himself. Yeah, I think trying to maybe tie all that together and seeing how maybe putting the pieces together in simplicity, even though there's no pieces. <laughs> um, seeing we said, you know, his simplicity is the doctrine that he's a unified and he's not separated into parts and you can see how they're all connected because infinity with you know god's eternity without infinity doesn't really make any sense how could he be eternal and you know outside of time if he wasn't infinite um and immutability if he was within time it would almost imply that he had to change as, as he experienced that succession of events um so they're, they're all real connected there and you can see how if you changed one of them it would impact the other to where you know, a non-infinite God would trying to piece that together with omnipresence does. I mean, there's there's no yeah. way to there's no way to square that circle. He if he's going to be everywhere, if he's omnipresent, then he has to be infinite. So they're all connected and they build on one another, and that's how that's why the doctrine of God's simplicity is so important because it keeps us with it keeps us on that road and out of those two ditches on both sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that. What kind of settled it for me was, you know, used to, I didn't have a good grasp of this understanding early on in in, um, in my life and also in ministry. But one thing to help me understand it is, well, I asked a question or heard the question asked, is God reactionary? Yeah. Does God react? Right. Does he change his mind? Does he say, oops, I, well, I didn't mean for that to happen. Let me do this right. now. You know, no, that's not necessarily how it's revealed. It's you see through God's covenants that he makes over and over again. He, yeah, that's right. He's not making that covenant because he changed something about himself yes. or he's changing the previous covenant in a sense, but that he's 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 adding to that and that fulfillment of the things he had promised from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, I think the immutability is, is such a comforting as, aspect and mm -hmm. attribute of God to know that no matter what, no matter how dumb I can be, <laughs> it doesn't change. And God doesn't say, man, I never saw that coming. I didn't think he could be. Mm -hmm. so and it's very right. misunderstood in the church today. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, coming back to that, the way that we have to think, we think about yes. God, he's like us. That's right. 
you know, me as a man, I I have my flaws. I have my things that I screw up with daily. And we do react. Yeah. And we do react right. and we, we go, whoops, I didn't mean to do that. Right. Or, you know, or well, I have to correct this cause I was too stupid mm-hmm. at that. Well, God doesn't make stupid mistakes. That's right. He doesn't make mistakes period. Um, so therefore he's not changing in that sense. So now that being said, there is some challenges to this doctrine. Um, there's challenges two two categories of challenges to this doctrine. First is a challenge that we disagree with, but, with but one that isn't so significant that it is outside the bounds of Orthodox Christianity. Okay. Um, that if we agree with it, but we're outside that bounds, you know, we're yeah. the, the second is the major error that is so significant that it must be considered heretical and cannot be held by a faithful believer of Christ. So what we'll say Jules? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, these two challenges, you know, it's kind of the same challenge. It's just almost to the degree that they hold it or how consistent they are with it. They both focus on the, on the same component of the doctrine of God's eternity. Um, they both challenge the, I guess it's technically called the atemporal nature of God. He's outside of time. They um, challenge that to one degree or the other. The, the one that we would say would still be um, – the people that hold it are still Christians or are still are still within the bounds of Christian evangelicalism or Orthodox Christianity would be they make God in some degree temporal to where he's always existed as far back as you can go. And he'll always exist as far as you could go you go in the future. But he does experience time similar to us. Um, yeah, he's eternal, but he exists now. You know, right, so there's yeah, a, there's right. a, he's, he's in time. He's in the present right now. And he'll be in when we get. You know, tomorrow he'll be in that 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 moment, but he won't be in the future. In the he's future. not in the future right, right now. Right. Right. He's not yeah. seeing all those at one time. Mm. And you know, there's a bunch of different ways they approach that. Um, several in recent years, several real popular theologians and pastors have kind of taken on that. But um, so there's that one, and maybe just go ahead and lay out the other. Okay, unorthodox challenges. It's essentially it's just it's that same challenge to where God is within time, except for that they they I think they follow they're probably more consistent with it. They follow it to its logical conclusion to mm-hmm. where, okay, now God changes. God doesn't know the future because he hasn't been there yet. Right. Once you put God within time, how could he know what happens tomorrow? He he hasn't been there yet. Right. So it's you know it's open theism, sometimes called process theology, as to where God, he's the most powerful being and he can do lots of stuff we can't do, but he can't make the de- you know decrees for the future. He hasn't been there yet. He had, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He might have a better guess or a better idea because he, he's way smarter than us, but he doesn't know for sure. Um, Looking down the corridors of time. Yeah, I figured that you know, uh, plenty I of didn't time. know if we were going to go there or not. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this, this is almost even worse because he, yeah. he can't look down the corridors of time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, That's yeah, taking that step further. And so maybe we need to go maybe too far down this trap trail, mm-hmm. but I, cause I think just on the face of it, you see, you can see the problems. But one of the major problems is that it, it um, simply doesn't make sense with the God we see in Scripture because you can see the connections it draws to God's immutability or his lack of change and his infinity. How can a God within time not change? He's experiencing mm-hmm. different moments at, you know, along and along. He's experiencing that succession of moments. So even if nothing else other than that experience of you know the last hour seems to imply there has to be some kind of change there. Mm-hmm. And 
know, they, there's lots of orthodox guys that we would all love that would they won't they won't follow that to that conclusion or what seems like the logical conclu- conclusion to me and a lot of other people. But so they'll say no, God doesn't change, but He's within time. It's, it seems like a contradiction. It seems like it's at odds, but that's to me, what at. yeah. To me, it takes away who God is in the yeah. sense that to me it doesn't make sense that He is God if that's the fact. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's right. yeah, that limits God. Yeah, He's mm-hmm. He's He's infinite. Going again back to that, so that's denying that He's infinite if you if you take that approach. Yeah, and I think you know this is birthed out of a. A good motive. They want to make God relatable and you know close to us. They, right. They feel like the God, the doctrine of God's eternity being outside of time makes it to where we can't get to Him. We're unrelatable to Him, so they want to bring Him down a little bit to where we can relate to Him. But I think it, it they don't have to do that. They're they're causing problems that don't need to exist. Right. Um, so I think it's it's okay to see that their heart's in the right place. Maybe it's just that um, you don't let your heart lead you. Let your mind lead you. So, what's some other issues we typically see with it? Um, so, maybe going to the the more dramatic open theism process theology. You know, this is on the face of if you're a, you know, a classical Orthodox Christian, you see that this is all kinds of messed up. But it's not just that it changes the character of God; it also really obscures the gospel. Mm. Um, it makes the cross something that God had to just come up with him on the fly. Yeah. You know, he made Adam and Eve and okay, well, whew, got yeah. a nice perfect little garden here. Everything should be good. Oh, they screwed <laughs> it up. Mm-hmm. Now what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And so he had to come up with something else. Um, so it's got God trying to figure out it. And the gospel Christ on the cross is not his eternal plan for his glory it is. It's something he came up with uh, um, as a fallback plan. Mm. Um, it also, and that that right there just would seem to undermine our salvation by faith. Right. For one thing, looking back, if God wasn't even sure that, about the cross back then, how could the Old Testament saints be saved by faith when they they haven't they trusted in something that that God this God wouldn't even know right is going to happen? Um, well, you go back to Genesis again, Genesis three, I think it's three when he you know, said the. Uh, that his heel would crush the serpent's head and the, yeah, the, right. it would bruise his heel. That's a promise of the Redeemer coming there. So if that's the case, then God couldn't have made that that promise there in Genesis 3 right. because he wouldn't. Right. It's that's not, he, he, it if he's reactionary, then how can he say such right. a thing? Yeah. I right? think maybe there's the, the place to start is just the contrast clearly yeah. with, with the God of Scripture. The God of Scripture is giving prophecy. He's telling what's going to happen. Yeah, that's right. He even challenges the false gods to. Tell me what's gonna you know yeah. what's gonna happen in the future to show me that you are a true God. So Isaiah. it's it's completely at odds with the God of Scripture. And usually these guys are so far off that they they don't really hold to the um, inerrancy of Scripture anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah. And what's you what's what's odd about this is you see these same guys making prophecies, right? Yeah. Quote unquote, <laughs> right. air quotes there. Right. They're the ones making prophecies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet God's not allowed to do so in a sense, and by their perspective, by their their logical. They may not say it that way, right? But their their view of logic says otherwise, right? Right. Would that be irony? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe uh, one more, maybe not a challenge, but um, just a contrast with the common worldview. Our, our culture is so secularized and inculcated in just um, materialistic naturalism that even the atheist has they have something that's eternal. There, there, you can't have a, a 
a big picture worldview without eternity in something. You know, they have to find a place for it because where all this come from? It's either either it, it always existed or why is there anything here now? So they, they place that characteristic the attribute of eternity in, in nature, chemistry and biology and, and fizzing of atoms and stuff like that. <laughs> so they have to find that, you know, eternal nature um, in something. They can't get away from it. It's, it's a requirement for just living in this world that God created. You know, so they, they won't give it to God. So they try to find somewhere else to stick to it. And, of course, living in God's world and you go against God's word, you find problems because, you know, their they're doctrine of the Big Bang kind of um, goes against that. that the, if the universe is eternal and all of a sudden, Big Bang, boom, here, here everything is. All by chance. Yeah. yeah. So they've, by refusing to bow the knee to their creator, they've wrapped themselves in a bunch of contradictions that they have to, they're forced to hold to. That's right. Yep. yep. Wow. So you see, there's all kind of uh, a lot of kind of things that we can run into in discussing this, even with people outside of the faith and inside the faith. Right. Um, there's going to be some objections. There's going to be some questions. And that's why it's important for you to know your scripture. If you can come back with a lot of some of the texts we just quoted here, for instance. Right. Um, it's kind of hard to argue against those points. Um, and that's why it's important for us to understand the attributes of God. Um so what's some uh how's this applicable to our life for the theological perspective on this here? Yeah, like like we let in with, you know, um the practicality of the doctrine of God. We don't want to let it become this abstract, you know, just speculation like you know, some like goes on in in a philosophy classroom. We mm. want it really is practical and um maybe we'll lay out some of that now. Yeah, for me personally, just brings ultimate comfort and trust truly in in knowing that I got a God who he already knows how it's going to end out. Right. When I'm facing a certain trial in my life, number one, I know he's got a plan behind it and he's using it for his his will and his he's, he's doing glory. it for the benefit of yeah for his glory and, and bringing about things because he loves me. You know, he's he's looking out for me still. But whatever, even if it's a bad time, even if it's a hard time, I'm trusting him because he's already established what's going to happen even and knows what's going to happen and knows where I'm going to be in five years. You know, is it going to matter three months from now? I don't know, but God knows. Right. And that's the one who saved me. That's the one who's, who's, you know, just done so many great things for me. So, and who is keeping us. Yeah. Um, so it, it doesn't matter necessarily as far as my fears and anxieties, because I can trust in one who already knows how it's going to end. That's right. You know, uh, my trust is in him. Mm. Um, then the the flip side of that coin, the sobering aspect of it, I think, is judgment is coming. Yeah. Um. The the wages of sin is death, and either our sins are going to be paid for by us through all eternity, or they're going to be paid for by the work that Christ did on the cross. Yeah. On um, in in His own works. Yeah, I think you know, as with most of our um, reasoning about God from the scriptures. Once we see, I think it was Calvin in the beginning of his institute said, you know, there's two ways to attain true knowledge, you know, knowledge of God and knowledge of man. You can't have one without the other. So, and generally as we learn more about God, it also reveals more about ourselves, and it should humble us. Mm. The bigger we see God, the, the smaller we'll see man. 
not in the sense that we're insignificant or that we don't matter, that God doesn't care about us, as in, you know, like like a deist or something like that, to where he just set us off and now he doesn't have anything to do with us, but in the sense that he is perfect um, and great in all of his aspects, and we are fallen, sinful, yet still made in his image. Mm -hmm. So it should humble us to see how big, you know, we can't even wrap our mind around his eternity. Um, we live in moment by moment and stumble our way through our short lives. Mm -hmm. So it should humble us to see this God has always existed, always will exist. And, and yet he's chosen to include us in his, in his plan of, to glorify himself. Yeah. You think about David said, uh, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And he was, I don't know, but he may have been just laying out, shepherding your sheep one night laying out under the stars on a clear night and saying man all of that's out there you did all of this what what are we we're nothing you know but you still have you we're still in your thoughts yeah we're still the ones he loves yeah. and has affection for yeah um which will bring us to a natural place of devotion and praise yeah, and true devotion and praise yes um i won't chase that rabbit right. either <laughs> <laughs> but you know when when we're made by this just this infinite, eternal, almighty God. And like I said, we're just a, we're a vapor as the Bible says, we're, yeah. we're, we're nothingness in that, in that comparison. But, uh, but he loves us, you know, and that's significant, man. That is just mind blowing when you think about it. It should really bring about, like you said, a humility that brings forth that devotion and praise in a true sense, not, right. not praising in a sense of meism. Yeah but praising of truly how great and significant God is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's been lost a lot in the, in the modern church today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you, know, you hear that saying you know, there's, there's a God shaped hole in everybody's heart mm -hmm. and that gets corrupted into mm -hmm. a bunch of nonsense, but there's an element, you know, as with most trite, um, wrong headed sayings, there's an element of truth there. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, um, if I by myself, in, in this universe, not able to find anything that satisfies me, I must conclude that I was made for a different place. Yeah. And that's the truth. You know, we're made, we're, we're pilgrims on this earth. We're passing through. Mm -hmm. We're, we're not going to be satisfied by anything on this earth. And we can see that in our own lives, how we seek after one little thing after the other. And we think once we get it, we'll be happy with it. And we're not. Right. And so I think that that points us to our creator. There's, there's something more out there and that's what we're made to be satisfied in. So we're, you know, um, we won't be happy with anything here until we find that eternal, um, in, infinite creator. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I put this in here and was debating whether even to talk, say it or anything. Cause we, I know we got other listeners other than those who, uh, are confessional Baptists, but I thought it, it so nicely put it all together from the, uh, the second London Baptist confession of faith, the 1689 version, uh, says, the Lord our God is but one only living and true God, whose substance is in and of himself, infinite in being and perfection, whose essence cannot comprehend, be comprehended by any but himself, who is immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, every way, infinite. And that, that paragraph just kind of just puts into perspective the past two episodes here, the aseity and eternity of God, it kind of go in hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I thought it'd be something kind of good to, to bring up there towards the end. And that being said, I would say that confessions are very important to yes. 
your faith. And if you, you know, if you're in a certain denomination, you probably have a confession of faith and you should look it up and be familiar with it. There's some good stuff in there. Right. Um, maybe some heretical stuff, who knows, but you need to compare it with scripture. Um, and then to kind of close us out and wrap it up here, Colossians three, verse two says, since there is an eternal God who inhabits an eternal realm, well, they didn't say this. I'm sorry. I was getting it. Since there's a God who's eternal, who inhabits an eternal realm, we should think about Colossians chapter three, verse two, and set our minds on things above and not on things below. That's good. And good you know, save, Jonathan. Yeah, good save. I about messed up. They're reading the notes here. <laughs> I say, what translation you got? Yeah. <laughs> That's the John Pruitt yeah. version. Um, Y'all probably don't even know this. Yeah. <laughs> but set our minds on the things above and not the things below. Study your Bible. Amen. Study the scriptures. Look at the the attributes of God. I uh, recommend some resources. We got everything on our website again, IsaacMinistry.org. We have some study tools to help you dig deeper into these things. Don't you mean touch not the Lord's anointed? <laughs> no. <laughs> unless you're pa- unless you're Saul being hunted by David and David decides not to do so, that's the only time that's applicable. But anyway. So anyway, check those things out. Anything else, guys, you want to close us out with before we wrap it up? Y'all did a fine job today. Maybe just one more plug. To, I know there's a reaction by a lot of our, um, a lot of Christians to push back away from some of this more technical um, reasoning, but mm. give it a chance. You'll see the glory of it. There's been a lot of great, wise Christian men down through the ages mm. that have that have done a lot of work to think these things through, and it really is beneficial for your faith. Mm. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, we appreciate you joining us for this episode. Again, I am John Pruitt with Eyes Open Ministries and Be Goalers. Will Lewis. Join us next time and be sure to check out as we post more and more material. Like, share, and leave us a review if you don't mind. We greatly appreciate it. Till next time, continue to study that Bible.